Praise God. I'm very excited about IWOF. I'm always excited about any word conference anyway, so I'm very excited about IWOF. It's like having gaining momentum in the middle of the year. And it's, it's just so good, so good. And I want to encourage everyone. I'm just going to lay a foundation for what all the other ministers are going to do. But I want to encourage you to not come here just as a spectator. Come here expectant. God has a word for every single person in the room. And I have no doubt that if you do that, before the end of the year, all your testimonies will be in your hand in the name of Jesus. Okay, so we're going to start from Mark 11, from verse 12. I'll read to verse 14, then I'll jump to verse 20, and I'll read to 26. Um, I have the NKJV here, so I'll read the NKJV. Um, but before I do, faith is... Faith is essential for life. I'm sure we established that last year. Last year when I thought, thought at IWOF, one of the things I established for you is that faith is essential for your life. The Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because you must first believe that he is. That's your first act of faith. Believing that God truly exists. That is not a figment of your imagination. It's not stories that your parents used to tell you when you were younger. Faith means that you believe that God is real. And that you have a personal relationship with him it's a personal encounter okay it's not just what you've heard it's not just what you've seen but it's also what your hand has handled so he says that faith first must believe that god is then he believes that that same god who exists is a rewarder and is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him so that tells me that if you seek god you will get what you are looking for so we established that last year however this year, I feel God is pushing me into a different direction. Um, and one of the things that I have, I have had to deal with in the last couple of months, a lot of people have asked me questions like, oh, I, I, I'm in faith, but my faith is not working. Right? I feel like I've done everything there is to do. I believe. I believe that I have this, but I have not yet seen the manifestation of it. So what is going on? And so this year, God wants me to bring to your attention, why is your faith not working? So today we're going to talk about why is your faith not working. Ask your neighbor, why is your faith not working? Maybe you should get an answer. Do you have an answer? <laughs> Praise God. Okay, so Mark 11 from verse 12. It says, now the next day when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. So this is talking about Jesus and his disciples. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Now jump to verse 20. It says, Now in the morning, as they passed by, now in between this, what had happened was that after Jesus had cursed the fig tree, he got into the temple and saw people selling. And he was angry, pulled his belt, flogged them, scattered tables and everything. And told them, my father's house is supposed to be a house of prayer and you have turned it to a den of thieves. So he encountered some, some offense, something that upset him. So verse 20 says, now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Verse 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, 
whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Now, normally when we would preach these messages on faith, we would stop here. But verse 24 and 25 is very crucial. It says, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. 25. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Now, I read the scripture because I need you to understand that faith has rules. I need you to understand that as much as faith brings you miracles, faith is not magic. I also need you to understand that God is a miracle worker, but he's not a magician. So there's rules for getting anything from God. So when you are in faith, there are certain things that must also exist for it to truly be faith. Number one. This scripture tells us that if you... Give me, give me 23. Give me verse 23. If I give it to me in... Give me... Okay, give me 23 in NKJV. It says, Assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his... Where? For it to be truly faith, you must believe in your heart. Now, your mind, because I mean, I mean, Pascal even taught this on Sunday, that there are three parts to every human being, right? There's the body, there's the soul, and there's the spirit. So your body is your physical body, like this one that you wear clothes on and that moves you around. That's the only reason why you, you can lawfully stay on this earth. Once your body dies, your spirit goes. It can't stay here anymore. If not, it's an illegal occupant. That's why you now have ghosts and demons. That's why they're illegal here. The second part of you is your soul. Your soul is your mind. That's where your thoughts are. That's where you make decisions. That's where your will is. That's where your memories are. Then the last part is your spirit. Your spirit, the Bible interchanges your spirit with your heart, right? So it says you, you must believe in your heart. Thankfully, it doesn't say you must believe in your head. Because this is where a lot of people miss it. I need you to follow me closely. Your head can doubt all it wants. But if your heart believes, you will have what you say. Your head is logical. Your head is not spiritual. That's why the Bible says that you must renew your mind. When you are born again, your spirit is renewed, but your mind is not renewed. So when you are believing for something, when you say, oh, I believe God that I am pregnant, for instance, no. I, you, somebody says they believe God that they are pregnant. <laughs> Can never be. This, <laughs> they believe God that they are pregnant, for instance. And at the end of the month, they see their period, for instance, or they do a pregnancy test. And the physical evidence in their hand shows a negative result. If you insist that what you are seeing does not affect what your heart believes and what your spirit is insistent on, you will have what you say. And how do I know this? Because it happened to me many times. Many times I would do a pregnancy test. For those of you who know my story, you know that it took me eight years to have my first biological child. So the doctors had told me it wasn't possible. So seeing those results or bleeding... Seeing blood coming out of me, 
that was enough for my head to tell me that you cannot believe this thing now. See the evidence. The evidence that this thing is not true is that blood is coming out. But you see, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. So my own evidence can't be what I'm seeing. It has to be what is not seen. So when you put your eyes on what is not seen, then you will have the victory. Because the things that are seen are temporal. They are subject to change. So what you are seeing today can change tomorrow. But what is not seen, what is seen by the Spirit, remains forever. So when you, when you see that physical evidence, your mind deals with physical evidence. Your spirit deals with eternal evidence. Your spirit deals with the word. And the word is what has come out of God's mouth. And what God says, can, nothing can change it. Nothing can erase it. Nothing can tamper with it. The word of God is indestructible. When God has spoken a word, it is fine now. So when God tells you you are pregnant or you are rich, when God tells you that you are rich, you are wealthy, that the kind of money that he's sending to you will blow your mind. Now, your bank account can be saying there's nothing in me. Your mind is saying you are seeing it. There's no money here. In fact, you don't even have a job. But your spirit says the evidence that I have is that God said it. So even though your mind is trying to be logical and saying it does not make sense. Listen, it shouldn't make sense. It should make faith. So even when your mind is telling you that this thing is not adding up, one plus one has to be two. And God is telling you it's 22. You say, ah, I'm looking at it, one thing and another thing, it should be two. God is telling you it's 22. You better stand on that 22. Because that is the real thing. He says it must be of the heart. Your mind can doubt. Your mind can say anything. And that's fine, absolutely fine. But if you agree with your mind... That means you will have physical results. And physical results are simple. If you do A and B, you must get C. But that's not how God works. When God says a thing, he can create what does not exist. The physical only deals with what already exists. So I remember one, there was one particular day. I did, a, I did a test. So I was feeling, you know how you feel... I see that's another thing. That's why you cannot depend. So if you are looking for healing, you cannot depend on your symptoms, whether positively or negatively. If you depend on your symptoms, for instance, if you're somebody trusting God to have a child, pregnant woman, you know that pregnant women know there's a way they feel. There's a way they are, they will, maybe they will start feeling bloated. Maybe they will start throwing up. They start spitting things. They will be feeling nausea. Things will be smelling around them. Once you start feeling those symptoms and you believe you are pregnant, if you go and do a test, and the symptoms disappear, and the test says negative, you will believe that you are no longer pregnant. So I remember one particular day, I started feeling all those, but I said, I don't believe the evidence, the physical evidence, I believe what the word says, that there are two nations in my womb, two people will be separated from my body, and one will be physically stronger than the other, so I'm having a boy and a girl, I was clear on it. So that was what I was standing on, not the test. So whatever the test said did not matter. So I went and did the test because I started feeling a bit bloated. I was like, okay, maybe I should do the test and see whether I'm pregnant. And I came out of there and I, the test was negative. And the first thing was my mind said, oh, I see you don't see now. Yeah, faith, 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 faith. But faith must have physical, it must be manifest. And merely said it. The Holy Spirit said to me, the test you are holding in your hand, who made it? I said a man. He said, who made that man? 
I say you made the man. He said, I'm telling you, plus the man, plus the test. Cannot question what I have said. I said you are pregnant. And because I said I insist I am pregnant, what happened was in the night, I started bleeding terribly. And see, like I said, faith must be of the heart. Your head can say anything it wants to say. It doesn't matter. Because a lot of people back down. Once your head starts telling you it doesn't make sense, you, you say, it's true, it really doesn't make sense. Then you give up. Once you give up, you have failed. But if you insist, you will get the victory. So immediately I started bleeding that night. Satan came again and said, you see? I told, see, you even saw the test before. So of course, this is what's going to happen. I went into the bathroom. Listen to me. Sometimes, when your thoughts get loud, you need to get louder than your thoughts. So once the, your mind starts to say, see what is happening, this thing cannot be. Your spirit has to be given permission to rise. So your body has to cooperate with your spirit. You open your mouth and you shout. I stood there in a pool of blood shouting, blood or no blood, I am pregnant. I am not pregnant with blood, I am pregnant with a child. I insist that the word of God is true. Today I have three children running around. Imagine every time I had agreed with what the, the physical was saying. I will still be on that journey today. So he said, if you do not doubt in your heart, there are rules to faith, guys. Faith is not magic. You can work it. There's the working of miracles. You can work it. Once you find it in the word, you can have it in your world. You are entitled to it. Once you see it, it's your own. If God says that you can never be poor, once you see it, it becomes your reality. Your mind will come. Your mind will come for you. And I'm telling you, there are rules to these things. He says, if you do not doubt in your heart. So what do you do? You pump your heart full with the word of God. So even if your head is saying, we are tired, we want to sleep, you know that your evidence is dependent on the amount of word that is in your heart. The Bible says that the just shall live by faith. Faith is for living. I'll say that again, slowly. Faith is for living. Faith is not just for getting. Because what we have reduced faith to is claim it, name it, take it. That's what we think faith is. That's not what faith is. Faith is a living walk. It's a relationship. Pastor Marcus' message on Wednesday, if you, on Tuesday, if you haven't heard it, you need to go and eat it. Do you understand? You need to live in it until you can preach it by yourself, until you have the results. Every step of the way, what helped her get her testimony was she kept saying, the Holy Spirit said, the Holy Spirit told me, the Holy Spirit prompted me, the Holy Spirit, the just shall live by faith. It's by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You live by a continuous stream of God's word. That's why this week you cannot play. You can't play this week. Oh. This week, morning sessions, evening sessions, is a continuous stream of the word of God. Because are you seeing what's happening in the world? Are you, see, are you seeing what's going on? I'm wondering how people are even surviving. Before I used to say, are people that don't have Jesus, I wonder how they cope. Now I'm saying people that don't have faith. Because some people have Jesus, but they don't have faith. And Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns, will he still find faith on the earth? 
Faith is what you need to get you over anything that you're going through right now. I don't care the name of the thing. Whatever the challenge, the answer is one. Faith. You know that medicine that they used to sell inside us? Bobo what they call it? Uh-huh. Whether you have headache, gonorrhea, syphilis, HIV, cancer, poverty, um, <laughs> lack of house rent. If you buy that one red capsule, that's what faith is. Faith is our own kingdom, Bobonishe. Once you buy it, everything, irrespective of what the challenge is, you use faith to get money. You use faith to get wife. You use faith to get children. You use faith to get land. You use faith to start business. Faith is required for everything. That's why the Bible says the just shall live by faith. It's not enough for you to be a Christian. It's not for, enough for you to understand that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. No, it's not enough. Faith helps you receive everything you are entitled to. So imagine you don't have faith. It's like saying you have plenty of money, but they say the only way you can get it out is through your ATM. The banks are not opening again. Just your ATM card. And you don't have ATM card. You have billions in the bank. You don't have ATM card. How are you going to collect it? That's what faith is. Faith is your ATM card. When you bring it out like this and you put it, you press your pin. Whether it likes it or not, it must bring out money. Because there's money inside. You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Everything you are ever going to need has already been settled. So when people even call me and say, oh, Pastor M, I'm believing God for a child. Please help me pray. I don't know whether God is not hearing me again. I say, you don't even understand. God has heard you. He has sorted you out. The day Jesus died was the day you got pregnant. Faith is just helping you collect it. Do you think that every time you pray, they'll go and start manufacturing baby for you? It's already yours. It's already made available. You need money for business. It's already available. What you don't have is faith, and you don't understand the rules of faith. So this week, I'm begging you, don't play with IWOF. And this is not just, see, it's also important that you call your friends, because there's a way you'll be blessed. Eh? When people beg you, beg you, beg you, you will now not be blessed again because they would have finished the money. So you better drag your friends so that all of you can be blessed together. Praise God. <laughs> so that's the first thing. That faith must be of the heart. The second thing, Galatians 5 verse 6. Give me King James. Give me King James first. King James says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith walking through... Faith walking through what? Faith walking through what? Faith walking through love. So the first thing we establish is that you must believe in your heart. The second thing is, what's the state of that heart you are using to believe? There's nothing wrong with the word of God. The word of God is incorruptible. There's nothing wrong with it. Where you put the word of God is usually what the problem is. If the word is the seed, if the seed is good, if the seed is good and you put it in a bad soil, it will not bring out fruit. So the Bible is making, is very clear here. It's saying faith only works through love. If there's no love in your heart, faith can't work. I heard someone, I think it was Jerry Saville and his daughter were doing, um, they were talking this morning 
I was listening to them this morning, and they said something that just stuck in my heart. They said, faith does not work in an unforgiving heart. Ash! And the way it did you, that's how it did me this morning. Faith does not work in an unforgiving heart. If you carry offense in your heart, faith can't work for you. I'll give you practical examples from the word today. A lot of people, the problem why their faith is not working is the state of their heart. Remember, we said faith is of the heart. You must believe in your heart. But that heart that you need to use to believe, that heart must be good. Let's look at it in Amplified Classic, this same scripture. Then we'll go back to Mark 11. It says, for if we are in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. So you see, I told you about being a Christian is not, is okay, is not the, is okay. But that's not what will get you the victory. It says, but only faith activated and energized and expressed and working through love. Faith is only, at, because see the way they wrote it now, it's English, let's do it now. Let's, if, so if they do and, and, and we can take it one by one, Abby, that's what it means. It means all these things are all working through love. So let's take it one by one. It says, but only faith activated through, so your faith is activated through love. So if there's no love in your heart, your faith can't be activated. So you can walk around and make all the confessions you want in this world, but if there's no love in your heart, your faith can be activated. Your faith can work. And this is the major challenge that we have as, as Christians. Most of us, our, work, our love work is so poor. Christianity is the most judgmental religion I've ever found. Sorry, I don't mean, like, I know that some people are saying, well, well Christianity is not really only John. She don't really even know the Bible. That's not what, that's not what we're discussing here. John, now. don't be angry. Because I know, I, I know if it's Instagram, I wrote this one, now they have finished me or threads. They would have thread my destiny. They have sewn clothes with me. Uh -huh, I know. That's not where we're going with this. Focus on what I'm saying. If you don't have love, your faith cannot be activated. It can't even start working. So you can be walking about doing all the confessions you like. Because people think that faith is confession. Faith is not confession. Mm. Faith is not a strong desire. Mm -mm. Faith is not even wishful thinking. Faith is not, I've said it a lot of times. I've been saying it since I've known myself. That's not faith. That's not faith. That's not faith. For faith to begin to work, love must be involved. And the Bible is very clear. You know why, you know why it's important for us to have love? Because the Bible says that God is love. So God actually activates faith. But you must walk in love or like Jesus said to his disciples, you must have the God kind of faith. One that is propelled by love. He said, faith is activated by love. Please go back to what I was reading before. Mark 11, 24, 20. Okay, no, yeah, Galatians 6, what I was reading. It says, but only faith activated through love. Faith is also energized through love. Faith is expressed through love. Faith works through love. So you can't do anything without love, is what I'm trying to tell you. So that's why Jesus said that this is the commandment I'm giving you, that you love one another. So love is the secret to your faith actually working. The real reason why your faith is not working is because your love is very low. 
I was speaking to someone. She said, I'm trusting God for a child for almost 20 years. Do you know what it means to 20 years? You have been trusting God for one thing for 20 years. So I said to her, just out of curiosity, not that one negates the other, but just out of curiosity, why have you not adopted a child? She said to me, she doesn't think she can love another person's child. But you are believing for a child. First of all, even though this is not a course on adoption, first of all, when you adopt, the child is not another person's child, it's your child. That was the first place that I just said, okay, that's, the prob- that's where the first problem is. If you cannot open up your heart, you know, the same way most people, and this is what my pastor said to me many years ago, he said the same way you are praying for children, the same way children are praying for parents. There are children out there that are looking for parents. I personally believe every family should adopt. It would change your life. I'm telling do you know what it is to, to not, you don't, you, uh, you know what I mean. You don't, you don't vomit, you don't spit, you don't do anything. They just dash you, baby. You know push. You know do CS. You know get tear. They dash you. Say take. And the child will look at you through the eyes. The child does not know anything more than you are my mommy. Change your life. But a lot of us cannot even get to that place. Our hearts are so hardened. Our hearts are so... And, and I mean, it's not, just, it's not just that kind of love where, oh, I'm saying go and adopt. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Even when people offend you. When people offend you and you struggle with unforgiveness, eh? your love work is very low. Take it from somebody who knows. I struggle with unforgiveness. If you offend me, they pay me all. I'm not those kind of people that just say, well, bless you. Oh, we're all Christian. Let's just move on. No. Why will you offend me? Why? You, did you not see that it's not good to offend somebody? Your own love work too is not good. <laughs> but you see, the funny thing about God is that when you go to God and you say, see, this person offended me, do you know what he does? He addresses you. He never ever addresses that person and says, oh, that other person he did is bad. Let me go and flog the person for you. God will say, you, you. Your own love work is poor. I'll give you a few. <laughs> faith has rules. Tell your neighbor, faith has rules. So one of the things we must do is consistently check our hearts, your heart, the love level. Let's read Abraham and Abimelech's story. I'll give you a few examples. And when God started to teach me this thing, see, it, it, it really changed my life. Because like I said to you, I, me too, I was on a faith journey. And ever since, and see, anything you're good, let me tell you, in life, eh, you will always need faith. You will always, always need faith. Unless you want to live this ordinary, regular life. If you want the supernatural life, where things are happening for you at a different speed than other people, where doors are opening to you that you don't even know, you know, where you just, it's just happening, you just know there's something about you. People are saying, hey, I don't know, it's just as if you're God's special baby, but you know. You know that it is because you have learned the rules of the kingdom. Faith is the currency we spend in the kingdom now. That's what we used to buy and sell here. Faith is what opens doors. Is the master key. If they say you can't enter here, if you have faith, you open that door. In fact, you won't just open the door, you'll break it down. Faith. So let me read to you Abraham's story. I start from verse 1. I read to um, verse 7, 
then 17 to 18. Some give them my scriptures, right? Okay. It says, And Abraham journeyed from there to the south and dwelt between Kadesh and Shaw and stayed in Gera. Now Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, She's my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gera, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Indeed, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her, and he said, Lord, will you slay a righteous nation also? Did he not say to me, she is my sister? And she, even she herself said, he is my brother. And in the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. And God said to him in a dream, yes, I know you did this in the integrity of your heart. For I also withheld you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Verse 7. Now, this is God speaking to him, telling him the solution. Now, therefore, restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet. And he will pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die you and all who are yours. Now, what had happened before this was that the Trinity had visited Abraham and told him that he was going to, by this time next year, you're going to have a child. And then they moved from there and they journeyed on. So when they got to this place, ah, he saw the way this were doing. He said, they will kill me because of this fine girl. So, you know you're Kuku, my sister. You're my half-sister. You're my mother's, you're my father, my father, my daughter's daughter, not my father. So they started speaking English, trying to draw family tree. Then Abimelech saw the girl because they didn't really swear for him. You see, fine thing, you want it, you are a king, you can have it. So he said he wanted to have the girl now. Go and bring the girl. Abraham said, take. But I believe that Abraham must have felt chanced in his I don't know, is there an English for chanced? He must have felt chanced in his heart. Like the chance some. Is there? If I say it with phonet, it would be English, Abby. He felt chanced in his heart. So God, being in covenant with him, decided to fight for him. And this is why, if you're in covenant with God, you never fight for yourself. If you're in covenant with God, it's like fighting tag team. I don't know, at these days, I don't want to wrestling. They still do all those things, Abby. But you know those things are acted, Abby. So anyhow, when you tag the person, even if it's your little finger that touches the person, the person can come in and fight for you. And usually the person has rested well. So you are tag team partners with God. So if somebody offends you, all you need to do is just do like this and step back and he takes over. So Abraham couldn't do much because this is a king and they are passing through his land. They would just kill him and take the girl anyway. So he wanted to save his life. So God came to the guy in a dream and said, as you are like this, you're already dead and you don't even know it. And he said, but I did not do it Consciously, God say, it's like when you when you pass one way and you say I did not know. What did they tell you? Ignorance is not a, it's not, a, it's not an excuse to the law now. Then you will still pay the fine. So God say, okay, I agree. Oh, you did not touch her. Thank you. But you see this guy. The only way I can help you is that you go back to him, and he will pray for you because he's a prophet. Give me from verse. Uh, let me see. Give me from verse seventeen. So Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech. Now notice, God sent Abimelech. God did not tell Abraham. So Abraham had the choice to hold on to a grudge and not obey. But he opened his heart and decided to obey. He prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife, and his female servants. 
Then they bore children. Look at verse 18. For the Lord had closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. So as Abimelech was saying, hey, see, fine girl, God just went and closed all their womb. Say there will be no fruitfulness in this land. Why? God was very clear. Because of Sarah, God was fighting for somebody. Look at the next verse. Genesis 20. Well, you know that the Bible is just for us to be able to find things that they broke it down. You know, it's a continuous. It says, and, so after he had done that, he now, and the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. Verse 2. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. If Abraham had held on to offense and he did not obey God and forgive and pray for this guy, his wife, the very next thing, immediately he prayed, the Bible says, immediately his wife took him. Love activates faith. God had told him, your wife will have a child. He said, I believe. But the only way that thing could come to pass was that he walked in love towards somebody who had offended him. So God wants to bless you. You say, no, they've offended me. <laughs> Suffer. God said, leave this matter. Let me fight for you. Say, no, I'm not going to pray for him. Give me my rifle and let me be going. You wanted to kill me in this your land. I'm going, I'm going. God said, pray for him. He prayed for him. And his, all their wombs were opened and it now affected Sarah too. Let's look at Job and his friends. They've offended me, they've offended me. Well done. Because now you're the first offend. Jesus said offense will come. But blessed is he who is not offended in me. Because, so, you know, sometimes we, we really think that, oh, we are the most righteous and the most holy. When you say, oh, they've offended me. You too, the way you are standing, the way you are even living, you are, as you are a living being, you are an offense to somebody else. <laughs> because let me tell you, no matter how good you are, you are a villain in somebody's story. Yes. No matter how great you think you are, I'm a very loving person, if you know me, or if you are close to me. The way that we are not close to you, Nko. Let's look at Job now. Job lost everything. Lost his children, lost his business, lost everything. People immediately assumed that he had sinned against God, including his friends. People were, were supposed to be his five and six. And that's what I'm saying. People's love work is amazing. Somebody will be your person. In, in fact, the person will be pouring their blood out for you, be doing everything. One small opportunity. You see, God, you know the people God hates the most? People that forget. God hates people that forget. Somebody will bless you, do everything for you. Then when you, you, are, you have one small offense, that if they even help you to collect it and analyze it, you'll see that there's nothing in that nonsense that you're talking about. But you will drink water and then go back and spit in that water you drank from. These guys were supposed to be his friends. The Bible described them as his friends. They didn't say they were his, they didn't say they were his neighbors. They said they were his friends. They were telling him, there's no way. You have sinned. There's no way. Are you saying that God, God will just punish you for nothing? It's not possible. You are a sinner. They were telling him, even his wife came to him and said, cause God and die. You know, after the story changed, I'm getting ahead of myself, but after the story changed, I wonder how he was able to sleep with his wife because the Bible says he had more children. 
This was somebody, so she's a, it's when it's good for you that my husband, when things rough, cause God and die, because me, I cannot even stay here and be suffering, you know, make me a day free, go marry another person, because I don't even understand this cost that is upon you. But when he was the richest man in the East, you were wearing gold, you were walking about, the, your leg would not touch ground, because your servants carry you. Now, because everything has gone down. You see, and that is the problem with a lot of Christians. There's no single loyalty anywhere in our hearts. I've seen people curse their own fathers. Curse their own fathers. Because you, are, you think you have, you, have, you have now made it. Those that forget. Let's read Job. 42 from verse 7. It says, after the Lord had spoken the free, previous words to Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, ten man, even as he named himself, my wrath is kindled against you and against your two friends, for you have not spoken of me the thing that is right, as my servant Job has. Verse 8. Now, therefore, take for yourselves seven bulls, seven rams, go to my servant Job and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering, and my servant Job shall pray for you. For I will accept him, lest I deal with you according to your folly. Because you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. Verse 9. So Eliphaz, the Temanite, and Bildad, the Shuhite, and Zophar, the Namatatata, went and did as the Lord commanded them. For the Lord had accepted Job. Next verse. And the Lord restored Job's losses. When? When he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. You are the one holding on to your compensation. You want to hold on to offense, your faith cannot work. You can't be believing for something and be holding someone in your heart. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. He said it was when he prayed for his friends. His heart was good. So his face could be activated. He prayed for his friends. And the Bible says the minute he prayed for his friends, God turned everything around and gave him twice as much. Let me tell you guys, when you're offended, there's always compensation. There's always compensation. Let go of the offense so that God can bless you. Let go of the offense so that the word can find space in your heart. You see, that's why I say there must be a constant heart check if you want faith to work. You wake up in the morning. If you're on a faith journey, people will offend you. That's part of, the, that's part of it. Okay, look at it now. God told Abraham, you're going to have a child. He never even wake up for money and collecting wife. How can you tell me that I'm going to have a child? And then the person I'm supposed to have the child through, you, you are sitting down there, so they collect the woman from my hand. Can, would that, is that not a reason for offense? Should he not be offended at God and against Abimelech? But he was not. Hannah was on her own. She married us band. First Samuel. She was happy. Everybody was happy. All of us were happy. They were in love. But they didn't give birth. You do not watch the film. All of us are watching the film now. We're all involved. You can't write, ah, you wrote First Samuel for us. We are reading. We are all there. When they married, they were in love. Even the way he was talking to her, I might not worth more to you than five sons. I don't need children. I married you for you. I didn't marry you for children. All those kind of romantic things. You can say, please, don't, don't be telling me all those things. I, my, see, I won't born. While we are still there, his family members now told him that, ah, ah. I mean, you are getting old though. You have to marry another wife. They now went to marry what they want to marry. They marry winch. <laughs> Penina. You that they've caught soap for. They manage you in the house. Because you are giving birth now, madam is now useless. So she started mocking her. 
Start making fun of her. Start insulting her. Do you notice that Hannah did not one day answer her? And the Bible, see, the Bible says what it means. If she had answered that, the Bible would say she had answered that. She didn't answer her. She knew what she wanted. Do you know that even in Shiloh, they were in church, Beninasi offended her dear. So you, who are you that cannot offend you in church? Because you see this church here, the way people make it seem like church is, a, is heaven. Church is not heaven, no. Church is not perfect. Even if it was perfect, the minute you enter, you are spotted because you are not perfect. So all this, who are they? Why would they talk to me? Let me tell you the truth. Some of us say, when we get to heaven, we'll not be able to talk. You know why? Because when we gather bonfire nights, there must be bonfire nights in heaven. Nobody can tell anything. You don't plan to have bonfire nights. So when we all gather bonfire nights, maybe they are doing their roasting suit on one side, all those things, we're just gisting. Then I was, ah, you, you want, me, I'm, I'm excited about going to heaven. Do, we, do you think heaven will be boring? Heaven will be interesting now. And the man that wrote the message Bible will be my neighbor on this side. Then, uh, tip, no, tip, tip, I, can give, I can borrow somebody else. But I, I really need to talk to Apostle Paul. I want to know what's going on in his head. But, so when we are sitting down, we are gathered at bonfire nights, and we are all talking about what we did for Jesus. And Jesus is, you know, like when you do birthday, and everybody's talking about the celebrants. And all of us will now be there. Jesus is there. We now say, so Apostle Paul will now say, ah, they flogged me 39 times and left me for dead. Jesus will say, wow. So you took just one less than me. He said, yes, master. He said, even, even when they stoned me, immediately I pretended I was there. When they left, like, I just stood up and started preaching the gospel. Repent. Jesus, Jesus said, my guy. They will chop. <laughs> then they will not ask, maybe uh, Peter. Peter will say, ah, master, I suffered though. They even crucified me, but I say I can't, they can't crucify me like my master. They should turn the cross upside down. They say, oh, my boy. You say, you know now. You know I got you. Then you. <laughs> they will now say, uh-uh. They will now say, joy. So what happened? You now say, Lord, I really suffered for you. I came to church one day and the way Pastor Amaka spoke to me, and I'm not a mate, I'm not a mate. They will all be looking at you like, they will check your temperature to be sure. There's no sickness in heaven, but it's as if you are not really okay. We're talking about people that died here, people that lost everything, people that were skinned alive. The way they spoke to us, I didn't like it. The way they always attack it, I didn't like it. And you know what it's doing? It's producing weak Christians. And when you are so thin-skinned, Satan will use less you. Because he will use you like football. He knows that offense will distract you from getting what God has promised you. So he will consistently bring offense to you. This girl lived with Penina. And let me tell you, every Hannah needs a Penina. Penina makes you pray. Because, see, a Kana can love you out of your miracle. I didn't marry I didn't marry you for children. I love you, baby. So here's a double portion. You don't need to give me children for me to appreciate. Oh, just hush. Where do you want to go? I'll travel out the world. You two will be feeling loved. Meanwhile, the miracle, you have not collected it. She, she, she had to toughen up. Every day they will mock her. 
She said, hey, please, hey, Penana, hey, hey, Penana, the last, that your last one, please, let him bring something for me. Hey, now wow, to burn a crime. So my children, I'm giving birth to children for herself. Please, madam, if you want to pick something, pick it. Don't send my children. When they start telling you those kind of things, you know what it means. But she made up her mind that she would not be offended. Because when you are carrying a faith baby, there's a way you behave. When you're carrying a faith baby, you don't fight. When the Bible says the woman of God must not strive, not a man of God didn't talk about me, I'm a woman of God. The woman of God must not strive. When the Bible says that, it means that, see, it's not everything you get into. I always tell people, even those things they do on social media, God did not call you to win arguments. God called you to win souls. So all those things you are doing on social media, God is not impressed. He doesn't need you to fight his battles for him. He doesn't need it. The reason why your faith is not working is because your love work is so poor. The state of your heart cannot allow seed to stay in it and germinate. So we can preach, spit on you, put oil, somersault, pass okay with sweat, do everything, and you will go home and be the same. Why? Because the state of your heart will not allow seed to germinate. So tonight I'm asking you again, what's the state of your heart? You wake up in the morning, you do a love walk. Love check. You sit down and say, hmm, this person offended me, oh, but ah, this is where they find they're important. Pass this thing where they talk or this thing where they do. So let them pass and be going. There's always a test on the journey of faith. So what, if, what do you do if you're on a faith journey? Because this is important. If you don't settle these issues, your faith will not work. So what do you do if you're on a faith journey and you get offended? Because you will get offended. Jesus said offense will come. It's not me, it's prophecy. Offense will come. And it can come from anywhere. It can come from your friend. It can come from your brother. It can come from your pastor. It can come from Pastor M. Because I'm, I'm a national offender. As I heard. I heard I'm a national offender. I'm always offending people. It can come from anywhere. But what is more important? This quarrel or your faith work, the results you want. The Bible says that if you give, it will give him back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over. Shall men bring to your bosom? You have quarreled with all the men. Who is going to bring to your bosom? I'm saying this now because a lot of people are complaining. My faith is not working. There's nothing wrong with your faith. Your heart is the problem. Okay, so let's move from, I, I will get into what you do when you are offended, but let's even move a little bit from those who are offended. How about the other sins in your heart? Self-righteousness. Being judgmental. You are the only one that is holy. Elijah died before his time because of that sin. I'm the only one that has not by my God says, shh, shh, no, 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 no. I'm the one holding everybody together. I'm the one making sure everybody's happy. I'm the one doing all the work. Nobody in my department is doing anything. Shush your mouth. If it's really you that is holding everybody together, it would have collapsed. Your blood too good, nine Jesus come. If you think, the Bible says. You should not think more highly of yourself than you ought to. It's another reason why you are not receiving. Because you have become God. 
And God will never fight. He will step away when he feels like it's challenged. He will just move back. Say, see this small thing? This can't be confusing with this one now. To even acknowledge you means that I'm, I'm demoting myself. The state of your heart. Greed. Uh-uh. Some people are just winch. Winch. Do you know winch? They can't allow another person to be great in life. If someone else is being blessed, if he's paining you, your faith can never work. See, you can sit through IWOF, gaining momentum, go to, uh, uh, what's that one that uh, Pastor Kodi used to do? Go to that one, self, come back. Then go to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Go to uh, Kenegin, Rema. Come out from there. Go to Shiloh. Go to Kenekopland in Dallas. Go everywhere. Let me tell you, your faith will not work. It's not by gathering conference. It is the state of your heart. Faith worketh by love. I read a few scriptures and then we will close. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, faith has rules. So what do I do if I'm on a faith journey and I'm offended? Because you will be offended. You know why you'll be offended? Because Satan must test you. Satan must test you. Now every Hannah will have a penana. Everyone. Every Abraham, Abimelech is waiting for you to collect the thing you are supposed to use to collect a miracle. You must have the test. There's no way. Somebody must offend. Jesus said offense will come. But blessed is he who is not offended in me. It will come. So what do I do when I'm offended? Number one, pray. Give me Matthew 5, 43 to 44, the Passion Translation. It says, your ancestors have also been taught... Love your neighbors and hate the one who hates you. He says, however, I say to you, love your enemy. Bless the one who curses you. Do something wonderful for the one who hates you. And respond to the very ones who persecute you by praying for them. And this prayer here is not fall down and die prayer. I remember many years ago, somebody I, was, I considered my closest friend. She was my five and six. When I heard what this girl did, went to my mother-in-law and told my mother, mother-in-law things about me that it's not that I'm not getting pregnant, I was one taking the babies out. Who says that? This girl, my five and six, so of course she was believed. So my, you know me now, they don't used to offend me now. So I don't redeem my prayer. My, I'd, I'd open some, one, let me not even say the Psalms. I'd open some Psalms. And I've, you know, gotten up. I don't spread. I don't ready. I say, Lord, arise, O Lord, let your enemies. Uh-huh. So when I answer, I say this one is old school. It's as if the angels that are on this, this particular assignment, they are, they are modern day angels. They are, not, they are not old school ones. So I said, this is how I fight my battle. So I was just changing the song. First it was fragrance, then it turned to everything. I sang everything. I opened the scripture. Then the Lord said to me, you will bless her. I say, wait, sir. You're not really understanding what's happening here, sir. Because if I start to say this story, Lord, you know what I did for her, what I did for her, what I did for her. Lord, God said to me, nothing that you have is your own. It was given to you. So whatever you did for that person is because I gave you the privilege to do it. I say, okay, I agree. But even though... I say this girl, no. I will say pray because it's an enemy. 
He said, what did I say you should do to your enemies? He took me to this scripture. I cried for weeks. I will never forget I was in the UK. I cried for weeks. I had a picture. She's my friend. So I had a picture. She's my five and six. If I tell you someone's my five and six, eh? The people that are close to me know that if you say I should cut my blood and give you to a drink, I would do it. I have your back. So this is somebody that her picture was in my Bible. You know what that means? That I'm constantly, he say, Lord, as you bless me, bless her. Lord, as you do this for me, do for her. Lord, that's the kind of prayer I was praying for. Do you understand? God said, you will, you will, pray, you will pray for her even more. I said, I can pray. It just won't be what you are thinking, Lord. For one full year, I could not pray for this girl without crying. I would open my Bible, put the because, because you must obey God. Who are you? Who are you to, to question your maker? So I would pray for her for one full year. I kept doing this thing. Hey. He said, respond by praying for them. So, you know, so when God says somebody has offended, you are saying somebody has offended you. It's not to go around and say, oh, this person did it. And you know the worst part? God did not allow me to talk about it. So somebody says, ah, what if what happened to you? And I say, nothing. But I want to tell you. I want to tell you. I really want to tell you. <laughs> God said, don't say a word. <laughs> you know what it's like for you, for you to, if something is peppering your body, you want to tell everybody. Everybody that meets you, you want to tell them that, come, have you, Pastor Chike, do you know this person? Good. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> and anywhere you go, if somebody says, and you know, you know how this life is, somebody say, oh, hey, I've been looking for you. You know that your friend, oh, she came to me for something because of you, I want to do it for her. And I want to say, because, how, who? And God said, if you say a word, when people offend you, and you see, let me tell you why this was so important and so crucial for me. I was on a faith journey, I was believing for children. So if I had stopped at that point and said, let me leave this quarrel and quarrel, let me start fighting, you know, let me leave this my journey of let me get my babies and get my miracle and start fighting. Not only will I not have my children, I will not have Hannah's heart as a ministry and many women will also have children. So Satan is not really after just your own testimony. He's after the ones that are attached to your testimony. My faith must work, so I will pray for those who offend me. What's the second thing that you do? Matthew 5 from 38, message translation. The same scripture, but from 38. Message translation this time. It says, here's another old saying that deserves a second look. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. That means you do me, I do you, God no verse. It says, is that... Is that going to get us anywhere? Here's what I propose. Don't hit back at all. If someone strikes you, stand there and take it. Eh. Because all of you, when I say I, I, I struggle with unforgiveness, people are looking at me, she's not even righteous. How can she be struggling with unforgiveness? Not unforgiveness. No, look at it. It's forgiveness. Yeah. He said, when they strike you, stand there and take it. They say, man, you know, dodge. Uh, 40. If someone drags you into court, 
and sues you for the shirt off your back. He says, gift wrap your best coat and make a present. Even the one they do not want to collect, go and give them. Forgiveness is really easy for me. Look at it. 41. And if someone takes unfair advantage of you, use the occasion to practice the servant life. 42. No more tit for tat stuff. Live generously. 43. You are familiar with the old written law, love your friend and its unwritten companion, hate your enemy. I'm challenging that. I'm telling you to love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer. God is saying, don't revenge. Don't do back. Don't just let it go. Don't even fight back. Don't defend yourself. Just move on. Why? Because you want your faith to work. See what they are saying about you. Remember, you want your faith to work. So you don't respond, you don't answer, you don't fight back. These are the reasons why people's faith is not working. You want to answer, you want to answer, I want to give them peace of my mind. We are doing something. We must learn from Nehemiah. When Sambalat and Tobias came to him and said, Come down, we want to. He said, I'm too busy to come down. I'm doing something. Let me tell you, it's not everything you respond to when you're on a faith journey. That's why your faith is not working. The time you should be using to focus on confessing the word, meditating the word, building it on your inside till you can picture that thing. I still remember when I went to the hospital and they told me I was, by that time I had gotten pregnant with Davida. They told me that I was, uh, I was, it was threatened abortion. I was about to lose my baby from a mistake that a nurse made in the hospital. And the nurse was talking to me. Madam, you will do like this, you will do like that. I was literally not there. I was seeing myself carrying her and walking down the aisle, dancing forward, dedicating her. So when the woman was talking, 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 she now said, Madam, Madam, are you all right? Elderly woman, no. I didn't know when he came out of me. I said, excuse me, ma, are you all right? Picking what I don't carry for eight years, picking what I don't dedicate. I said, give him, not this one. Thank God you said it's threats. That's all the devil can do. You can threaten, cannot, this one. Cannot go anywhere. The mistake Satan made was that I carried. Once I carry, I can never miscarry. Never. It's, 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 it's intercourse with the word. When you stay in the word, it intoxicates you. It begins to enlarge you. When you're pregnant with the word, you must bring forth but you are pregnant with the word. Somebody quarrel, you say, let me give them a piece of my mind. While you are giving them a piece of your mind, a little bit of the scripture will come out. Distraction. If you want your faith to work, do not allow Satan to distract you with offense. What's the third thing you do when you're offended? Hebrews 12. Give me verse 1 to 2, the Passion Translation. I want to read this particular translation because <laughs> the first time that I, I, I think the first time I saw, I, I actually saw the footnotes, was the footnotes that really got me. And it blessed me so much. I just, it became my go-to scripture. It says, as for us, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us. And the sin we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race 
with passion and determination, for the path has already been marked out before us. He says, we look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. If someone has offended you, you don't put your eyes on that person. What do you do? You put your eyes on God. You know you were due for a promotion and your boss, that it is you that will be giving him all the ideas. He will take your ideas and even pass it off as his own. They promoted him. And they asked him to write one person's name. He now said, um, I think uh, there's this girl me from the same village. Let me put her name. Then they pass you up and put that person's name. And you know the person does not deserve it. You don't go around with offense. You know why? Because God has told you that that promotion does not come from the north, the south. It doesn't come. It comes from God. So you keep your eyes on the person who even puts the faith that you can be promoted in you in the first place. So you lay aside everything, offense, the wound, and the sin that easily besets you. If you know what your real problem is, you will know that you have to put your eyes on Jesus. The real reason most people don't put their eyes on Jesus is because they think they got this. And you don't got nothing. Say, no, I don't want to have it under control. You don't have anything under control. You keep your eyes on Jesus. Even Jesus had to think about the future, the joy. So I saw myself dedicating my baby. They were telling me contrary evidence. They were showing me. They showed me scan. It's leaking here. It's leaking. <laughs> I say, all I'm seeing is I have dead. I'm seeing dedication. If you take your mind, and you know the funny thing? It was that same hospital that are telling me all this nonsense. It was one nurse. I went for antenatal. The nurse gave me medicine. I said, what's this? She said, madam, please don't teach me my work. Carry it. It's your routine drugs. I carried it. I've not been pregnant before. She said, it's routine drug. Me too. I drank it. That's how I started bleeding. That's how I go back to the same hospital. They're not telling me all this nonsense. Madam, you cannot do like this. Madam, you have to come for injection. Madam, you cannot. I'm paying for someone else's mistake. I could have chosen to say, you know what? People are mad. We're going to tear down this hospital. We're going to sue. We're going to, I can be fighting that fight. And as I'm doing that, I'm exerting more energy. The blood is coming out. Before I know, I begin to come out. I just say, madam, you see this baby? I've dedicated this child. So what do we need to do to make sure that that dedication is a reality? She said, come here five days. We'll give you injection. I said, I'm not coming here. Give me my five injection. Thank you. I carried it. went up. I said, please, who's a doctor here? Take. Every morning, come and choke me the injection. She said, that's it. Sometimes, the real reason why your faith is not producing is because you are almost there, but you decided to fight. Best way carry egg, no they fight. It must break. What do you do when you're offended? Number four, Hebrews 10.23, the New Living Translation. It says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. What do you do when you're offended? You still hold tightly to what you believe. 
Your boss did not put your name. Your boss is not your source. You hold tightly to what you believe, irrespective of the fact that your boss did not do what he's supposed to do. That's between your boss and God. Don't leave where you are going and start fighting. The reason why a lot of believers are not getting results is because they are not holding on tightly. He said, hold on tightly to what? What you believe. If you say, let me go and fight, you will release it. Hold on tightly. I have a job. I have a job. I have a job. They're saying this one. Every day you're in the house, confessing I have a job. I have a job. Not even this year, church. Every time, church, church, church. Once you go and do something, don't, see, you don't answer. You hold on tightly. You insist that you have a job. When I was still trusting for children, God would tell me every time you go up to preach, before you start, I want you to say, the word of God works 100% of the time. I shouted, the word of God works 100% of the time. One day, I just finished preaching midweek. As I was coming down, one of our pastors who used to be in, but he's left now, he walked up to me. I was just coming down, mainland, I will never forget, mainland center, I just came down like this. He walked up to me. He said, uh, Mama, please, I want to talk to you about something. I said, what? He said, I think you should take it easy on the way you say the word of God works 100% of the time. I said, why? He nodded like this. Like he pointed to my tummy, that. So I looked him in the eye. I could have chosen at that time to start fighting. <laughs> Somebody said I should squeeze his neck. God, such violence. I could have chosen at that time to start fighting, to start saying, who do you think you are? Why will you, listen, why will you talk to me like that? What did you do today? Then I will not go and meet Pastor K. Let's imagine, I'm not going to take this insult to the church. I'm not going to do, 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 do. Not be doing nonsense, 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 nonsense. When I'm holding something. I looked him in the eye. And I said, even louder, the word of God works 100% of the time. He looked at me. I said, let every man be a liar and let God be true. When I got pregnant, he sent me a message. Truly, God's word works. Let's, let me tell you, see, it's not, we don't do this thing for people. If you focus on people, your faith will not work. The Bible says you keep your eyes on Jesus. Human beings are fickle. Shebi Joe boy, if now they wear expensive clothes, they wear gold, they work out about sins. My husband is the richest in the East. My husband is the richest in the East. Oh, look at my children, such handsome children. They are doing parts here. When they started dying one by one, it didn't even occur to her to sit down beside her husband and say, oh, what has happened to my husband? Oh, makalakalaya, boko, shatalaya, de-de-de. Not on my watch, not on my... She didn't do that, though. She said, I think we should cause God and die, you. I think, how can that be an option, ma? So is it, if it's human being, because when she now eventually had more children, she still came back. She's the one that still brought herself. To, she get locked, saying, oh, my brother. She was still sister-in-law that day. Human beings are fickle. If you keep your eyes on human beings, if you trust in man, the arm of flesh will fail you. You keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Were you blessed this evening? Listen, I want us to just pray tonight, just for a few minutes. I want us to pray. And the reason why I want us to pray is because you hold your destiny in your hand. God has done everything he's ever going to do. 
everything. If there's offense in your heart, tonight is the night to let it go. We have four more days of this conference. <laughs> and what God is set to do in this conference. That's why I came with this. Because I know some people. Then after the conference, they say, I don't even have been believing God. You don't, you don't believe anything because your heart is not good. So we're going to pray. You're going to say, Lord, search my heart within me. Whether there be any guile. Purge me with high soap so that I can be clean. You open your mouth and you pray for yourself. See, there are some prayers that only you can pray because only you know the state of your heart. And let me tell you, some people would say, oh, but me, I'm, I'm righteous, I don't sin, I don't sin. Let me tell you, we all sin differently. Just because your own sin is not obvious, does not mean, my own may be anger. Your own may be fornication. Another person's own may be pride. Another person's own may be jealousy. Another person's own may be, another person's own may be gossip. Because what really spoils friendships in, in any organization is, is mouth. Did you hear? Did you hear? I did not hear. And I don't want to hear. You have to protect your heart. Your heart is on a faith journey. There's an assignment you know. You know what you are believing for. And I'm trusting God that at the end of this conference, you will hold it in your hand. I'm trusting God for massive miracles, testimonies. But it starts with the state of your heart. It says if you believe in your heart. But what is the state of your heart? So I want you to pray tonight. Say, Lord, search my heart. If there be any guile, search my heart. Search my heart. Purge me, O oh God, with high soap. Let me be clean. Whatever it is, whatever it is that has been pl planted in my heart, that should not be in my heart. Tonight, Lord, take it away. I release everyone who has offended me. I release everyone, everyone that I've been carrying a grudge against. I release them. Ah, ya libra, no koshata. If, if it is your husband, release him. If it's your wife, I know she has offended you. Sorry, sir. We are doing something. Be focused on where we are going. We are doing something. Ah, Nayele Shata. Your mother offended you. Sorry. Sorry. Ah, Makali Brakalodo Shata. Rekede Woshendelebosha. In Kapala Yadike Dosa Malia Brana Kadosa. Lord, search my heart, oh God. Don't stop praying, Don't stop praying. Listen, we're still going to pray. We're still going to pray. There are some people in the house tonight. Even the grudge you are carrying is inherited. You don't even know why you don't greet the, the, those your aunties. You don't greet them. You know those your aunties that your mother said, yeah. those people, you don't even know why you don't greet them. You're just carrying grudge you don't know anything about. Some of you is follow, follow. They are quarreling. Oh, they are quarreling. We too, we are quarreling. You don't even know what's going on. You now use their own and spoil your own. Tonight, you're going to let go of everything. I'm asking you now, why? Why are you quarreling? If you even bring the matter, you're going to not say nothing there. Why are you quarreling? Your husband offended you in 1982. Sorry now. Are you an idol that we cannot beg you? Sorry. Even God forgives. Who are you? They offend you, sorry. We all offend God. Is there anybody here that's never offended God? And he forgives. 
So don't hold on to a grudge you don't even know anything about. Too many people are fighting things they don't know. Why don't you greet her, your auntie? I don't know. We don't greet her. Why? You don't know. So you are collecting quarrel that is not your quarrel. I'm missing out on the blessing of God. Because God searches the heart. So you're going to say everything. I let go of everyone I've been holding on to. Everyone. Everyone. Open your mouth and begin to pray. They've offended you too. You've offended. Give me the grace to forgive, oh God. Lord, I let go. I let go of the pain. I let go of the offense. I release them. We're still praying. Mark 11, 25. Remember when Jesus told them, have faith in God. And said, if you say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and you do not doubt in your heart. He said, you have what you say. But see what he also told them in verse 25. He says, and whenever you stand praying, if you find that you carry something in your heart, he was talking about faith. The same like way he was talking about faith. He was telling them, this is how to get it. If you believe and you do not doubt, when you believe, when, when you, if you have a desire, when you pray, believe that you have it and you receive it. Then he said the very next thing. He says, and. What does and mean? It's a continuation. He says, and when you stand praying, if you find, because he said, if you desire something, pray. Right? He was giving us how to get it in faith. He said, pray. <laughs> he said, when you pray, believe. But he said, but that's when you are praying. That's point when you are praying. He's expanding that scripture. That at that point when you are praying, that prayer that I say, when you pray, it's believe it. He said, that point, if you find that you are carrying something in your heart, <laughs> he said, first, release him and forgive him so that your father in heaven will also forgive you. So, there's a, Jesus had to expand that place. Because some people just think, oh, I desire so I pray, I believe, and then I receive. No. Where you are praying is a place to check your heart. That point. Who is the person that can keep me from getting this thing? What's it go? Please call them. Go, let them be going and beg, beg, beg. Get everything that they do. Maybe they go with their wallet. It's at that point. He said, if you have anything in your heart against anybody. Because your prayer will not work. Faith walketh through love. So we're going to pray one last time. They're going to say, Lord, I, I now understand. Listen, that's why your faith is not working. Because when you are praying, you are praying with something in your heart. You have odds in your heart against someone. And it can be anybody. And you know the bad thing about this thing? People where they offend, no, they know. They offend and they go. You are the only one left bearing the grudge. So you are saving punishment twice. Let it go. It's not worth it. Let it go. He says, when you pray, 
believe. He said, but when you are praying, if you have something, let it go. Forgive. So that your father will forgive you and everything will move smoothly. Father, I thank you for your people tonight. I release over them the grace that makes forgiveness easy. I pray that, like your word says, that blessed is he who is not offended in you. That because there will be no offense in their hearts, this entire week, they will carry the blessing of God. And that blessing will negate every curse over their lives in the name of Jesus. That blessing will bring miracles in the name of Jesus. I pray that this week, their eyes will be open, light will come, revelation will come. And their faces will be enlightened that they will know no shame. I declare that this week, because you will have a deep understanding of what it is that God wants to do in your life, you will walk away with a knowing that you have the manifestation in your hands. In the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe it, let your amen be louder.